Uh, anyhow, 12 verses to start the new year. Uh, did you all receive a, a one with all the verses on front and back? So anyhow, all right, so you got those. Well, whenever we think of um, the new year, it's a time to recommit ourselves. <laughs> Many people recommit themselves to perhaps their long-range goals or short-range goals or long-range strategic plans or make new goals, <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Most of the resolutions uh, last about a week, <laughs> you know. Some people decide to lose weight, and that lasts till they get some chocolate. And uh, <laughs> so, but there's all the different types of resolutions that we have. But whether or not you make a New Year's resolution or not, it's a great time to make a decision to dive deep into the Word of God in which we will take some time to read the Bible, take some time to pray. And I, and I hope that these verses that you look at here, I left some space there so that you can perhaps write some thoughts as we go through them. But to read the Bible in, in the coming year, to read it more, to read, uh, some people have a, a Bible plan to read through the Bible in one year. Some read through the New Testament. Some read the chronological Bible. I like to think of it that way, that when the events happen, they are spaced in, uh, you know, those chapters and verses and books are, are spaced as they were written. So we want to make a decision. Some people decide to um, do themes that are in the Bible, you know, a salvation theme, redemption, re restoration, um, human rebellion all the rebellions that went on through the Bible. Uh, we, work, we look at what forgiveness is, themes such as forgiveness or reconciliation, God's divine sovereignty, his divine love. So what we do is we make a list, and today we have a list of scriptures. And so we make a list, a list of scriptures, which is, as we said about today's lesson or uh, messages that we have, a list of praises, list some things that you're thankful for. Don't, you know, you hate to be needy people, you know, greedy people. Oh, I need this, I need that. And we lose focus of what God has done. Then, of course, we list our needs as something, you know, special. God says that we are to bring our needs before the Lord. So it's important that we have this, perhaps outline this principle that we put together that God has given to us in the scriptures that we are always to, in everything, give thanks. So we are to look at things from a grateful attitude meaning that we are looking to find the good, God's good, in the negative that, that is before us. So, no matter what the approach, the Bible is full of verses and promises that can be spiritually moving and very powerful uh, that spark a determined interest that God is going to, is, is doing, and going to do something special in our life. So the goal then in this idea of putting these scriptures together and thinking about them, um, using them as our list. It is um, a way to start something. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's a way to start, you know, something new, perhaps, that we haven't been trying or haven't tried before. And if we don't start now, well, why not? When we're going <laughs> to, might as well start with a, with a, a new thing. So we are rising to the challenge, um, to challenge the way that we've been going, to make it better, to grow in our understanding of our faith, 
allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into these truths, growing closer to Jesus, ultimately to understand what he has come to do, what he has done, and what he plans on doing in our life. And so perhaps today we can help develop that Bible-centered growth by discovering some of these scriptures in their text and in their context and see how they can fit into our own lives. As we begin with, um, number one is Lamentations. Anybody ever, ever heard of the book of Lamentations? Well, it's in the book. It's in the Bible. Lamentations, verse, chapter 3, verse 22 and 24. Therefore, steadfast, there, excuse me, therefore, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So, lamentation covers the idea of loud cries, lamenting. So, the distressful, the distressful, I can pronounce this word, distressful, there we go, distressful lament is marking the funeral of the once beautiful city, Jerusalem. And the book keeps alive the memory of that fall, of how that Judah, the tribe of Judah and Jerusalem, were under God's punishment for their rebellion against him. And so in that lament, Jeremiah, breaking into the relentless sorrow puts together these verses so in the midst of all of this you know the tragedy has come the people of israel devastated jerusalem is destroyed and, and that was one of those things that people the children of israel they had this understanding that they were abraham's children god was the author of the jewish nation the children of israel and that no matter what, he would never desert the children of Israel. But he kept telling them, you can't keep going the way you're going. The prophets and so on would tell the, the people, they, they have to repent, they have to repent of their ways and turn to God, or God was going to bring judgment. Well, judgment finally came, and the people are lamenting like they never knew that would come. And so he prophet turns to this verse and he I'm not turns to this statement about God and how that even in the midst of all of this devastation we have the steadfast love of the Lord never since never ceases so he's looking at the character of God see that's why it's important for us to know the scriptures and to understand the character of God what he is like remembering that he is rich in mercy that he is referring to his steadfast love, which encompasses grace and mercy and goodness, forgiveness, truth, compassion, and faithfulness. So when, when the prophet is talking about this, he's bringing to their realization who God is and what his character is, and that he has not forsaken them, but he's getting their attention. So as we begin the new year then, it is good to remind ourselves that God is eternally merciful. <laughs> Recognizing that his love for us over and over again continues to be revealed through his word and through everyday realities, and we're looking for those things. He is our portion. He is our daily needs. The Lord is my portion, the prophet says. And carrying the hope unto the new year will provide strength and courage 
which is great is thy faithfulness. God God did this for Jeremiah in the midst of Israel's great tragedy. God will do this for us. Therefore, I will hope in him. So as we we look at the scriptures and we start placing ourselves and our events in there, there's nothing in our life that we, you know, looking at tragedy, looking at difficulties, lamenting. So when we're lamenting, there's a verse. Number two, Isaiah 43:19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. <laughs> you see, what God had done in the past will appear to be a small thing in comparison with the future of what God wants to do. So when the children of Israel, whenever the prophet Isaiah is looking back, I mean, he brought them through the Red Sea. He brought, had the, the plagues to get them out of Egypt, brought them across the Red Sea, took them through the wilderness, fed them manna. I mean, we're looking at those great things, and the prophet Isaiah is saying, these are going to be a small thing compared to what he's going to do in the future. For us, the Lord is making a new creation in believers, us. Behold, all things, pa- behold, all things pass away. Everything becomes new. God is in a process of renewing, passing away dead things, the things that are not important in our life. And he's renewing and he's recreating, as it were, what we are to become. So he is making a new creation. Whether or not it is immediately apparent, do you not perceive it? See, the the challenge is for us to see what God is doing. Do you not perceive it? And that was what Isaiah is trying to get across to the, the, the children of Israel. Don't you perceive it? I am doing a new thing. He will change circumstances. Behold. <laughs> then the word behold, said, you, know, you know, it's like, behold! <laughs> it's like, look, you know, stop, attention. What's he saying? And the, the prophet is saying, behold. Uh, look, listen, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? (laughs) The the challenge for us is to perceive, see, understand God is doing a new thing. You know, we like old things. (laughs) Yeah, especially old people, right? (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, we'll let that one go. Uh, But God is doing a new thing. Uh, It's like... How many of us took a new route to church today? No, we take the same old route. Why? Because we, it's the way we always go. You know, I like the story of uh, the lady. She was making a ham, and uh, you know, she cut the ends off of it. And her daughter says, "Why are you cutting the ends off your ham?" I don't know. My mother always did it. So the little girl calls grandma. Grandma, why you cut the ends off the ham? Well, that's the way my mother did it. Great grandma. And so, fortunately, great-grandma was alive, and so they called great-grandma and says, great-grandma, why did you cut the ends off the ham? Is it, you know, to make the ham better? She says, no, so it would fit in the pan. Sometimes we do things just because somebody else did it, and we think that that's the way it has to be. Well, God is doing a new thing. What does that mean? He's challenging some of the old things that we do. You see... 
Romans 8.28 from Wednesday. <laughs> uh, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. God is at work. Do you not perceive it? God is at work. Do you not perceive it? Number three, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your resemblance, <laughs> resemblance, reasonableness, <laughs> can't read, let your reasonableness that you're level-headed, <laughs> reasonableness is level-headed, be known to everyone. So when we're looking at this, our character is what is being challenged over and over again as we are we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is, you know, lives within this place. And he's giving us these texts that tell us, be level-headed. <laughs> That's sure different than hot-headed <laughs> or bald-headed. But it's level-headed. And let it be known to everyone. Why? <clears throat> the Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? God is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Bold that, circle it, read it over and over again. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. Do you know anxiousness has twins? Um, it's called fret and worry. <laughs> Anxiousness has, 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 has birthed fret and worry. They are evil in nature, destructive in character. They are jealous and demanding. And your attempts, are, your attentions, like a spoiled adult, notice I didn't say spoiled kid, they're spoiled adult who wants everything their way. Fret and worry. It's like, uh, never mind, it's another story. Anyhow, fret and worry. Indicate a lack of trust. And so the challenge is for us, it isn't that we are not paying attention to what's going on, but we're seeing what goes on and then we are purposefully praying. We're purposely asking God to be with us. Be reasonable, level-headed in this approach because we're asking God. So if we are level-headed, then we are trusting. If we see if the Lord is at hand, that, that you know, God is with me. And we go on, so especially, especially when things go wrong, or especially after the rush of the holidays, whenever we're settling into another year, doesn't seems like Christmas was a year ago already. You know, it's like things have changed and moved on. We got some reminders, but that's okay. I like reminders. And they are important to us. So we are resetting, you know, reset. You know, there's a reset button on the computer, isn't there a reset button? There's a delete button. And I always remember the delete, I always, like the person told me whenever I was learning computer, the delete button is your friend. <laughs> it's your friend. Just hit the delete button and go on. Well, whenever in our life there are things that God has forgiven us, hit the delete button. They do not exist. God has forgiven. Let the peace of God... Fret and worry, anxiousness, they are suppressed, crushed, ground into dust and blown away by the peace of God. 
which is greater than our understanding. Our understanding says fret and worry. Our understanding says it's going to be bad. Fret and worry are crushed with the peace of God because God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He will garrison your mind. Number four, Proverbs 27. Know well the condition of your flocks. <laughs> Give attention to your herds. You <laughs> say, so, well, not many of us are herdsmen anymore. <laughs> but the, the challenge here is that the flocks were a sign of an individual's wealth. And how they managed those flocks determined how well they lived. So it is a reminder to be responsible with what we have. Find the resolve to be more responsible with our money. I didn't hear anybody holler ouch. Uh, (laughs) Be responsible with what we have. I remember one preacher, he was talking about the guy that he didn't have, you know, he had a little clunker. And um, he said to him, well, why don't you wash it? Well, it's just an old clunker. If you, don't care, if you don't take care of what you got, it won't change when you get something else. So taking care of what you have is a way of preparing yourself for the next thing that's coming. You know, I, I always say, you know, people say that, well, I've got to change jobs, I've got to change this, I've got to do that. I say, you don't just up and quit. If you have a car, you just don't abandon it and walk away. You drive it until you reach and get your next one. Then you walk away and get in the next one. So whenever we are doing things, we we follow through with them to a certain point, trusting God that he'll help us keep it running. (laughs) So Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path, or he will direct your path. Allow him, recognize him, admit him. That's what acknowledging means. That I am acknowledging God, I am presenting this problem, this petition before the Lord. And all along, what are we doing? We're trusting and learning. And that there's a sense of putting one's entire weight on someone whenever we are trusting We are trusting. It is like leaning upon the Lord. It is important to know that lean, that (laughs) it's important to know that it is okay to lean, you know, what's there's a song, lean on me, you know, that type of thing. Um, He's not heavy, he's my brother. You know, all those things that, that portray to us that someone is there helping those who are weaker. But in this case, it is God who is putting himself at our disposal and he is saying that we are to lean on him. And we are to lean, we are to learn, we are to seek his advice, but the final decision is from you and God. You can't blame God, but we can ask God for help and direction. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Notice how that we said about taking these things to the Lord in prayer. Acknowledging God is a way that we are giving to God these petitions. <laughs> it's a great verse here that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So it's greater than what we know, greater than our own strength, and we find that we are following the Lord's path. Number six, 1 Corinthians. 
The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. Because he lives, we shall live also. So we, we are basing, basing our trust upon what Jesus Christ has already accomplished. It isn't what God is going to accomplish. It's what he's already accomplished. So whenever we're looking at these scriptures and putting them in place, it isn't something that's in the distant future. It is that which God is doing in our life even here and now. So while every person, every person, you know, the chances of getting out of this life alive are very slim. <laughs> you know, if you didn't think about it, you know, I have to think about that, you know. You mean I'm going to die? Well, chances are, you know, you know. Getting out of here alive isn't, uh, you can't do it unless Jesus comes back and we're, we're changed in a moment in the twinkling of the eye. But we want to know something, that those who have died don't shed a tear for what they've lost. Because those who have died are happy in their way to heaven and, and heaven and eternity and they have, they have finished their course. They fought the good fight and they're at home with God. So in our life, there are things that we will lose, but most of all, we never fear living. <laughs> we don't be, we're not afraid of living because dying will come and in death I will be one with Christ and, and live on for eternity. But in life, I am one with Christ knowing that I have the victory. Verse number seven, 2 Corinthians. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The challenge is that when we are strong in our own abilities, we tend to make God second place. It's like, I can do this on my own, I don't need him. But in reality, we need him because in our weaknesses, we are making room for the strength of God to be part of our life. For some Christians, this year will bring difficulties. Some may lose things that they considered important. But see, no matter what may come, use everything, everything, and anything, including the hardships, to draw us closer to the Lord to bring us in a place where we are allowing ourselves to perceive God is doing something. It doesn't mean it's going to go wrong. It means that God is at work and God has promised to work in our life to bring about good, a divine good. And so we are, we are thankful that God is with us. We are grateful that God is doing something in us and we are perceptive and know that God cares for me. Above everything else, he cares for me. Number eight. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control or a sound mind. Kind of goes back to level-headed. <laughs> Timothy had come under severe opposition. His association with Paul his being young in age, people didn't listen to him. Because in that society, you had to, the elders are the ones who had the wisdom and uh, were the ones who led. 
Well, Timothy being young, people didn't respect him, didn't listen to his authority or his teaching. And Paul tells Timothy, be bold. Don't be timid. Know who you are in Christ. Know what gifts you have. And, and do not have the spirit of fear. Do not allow fear to be part of your life. Um, Zig Ziglar said, fear, false evidence appearing real, the acrostic. False evidence appearing real, that's what fear is. And what God has done, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love causes us to do away with the false evidence that appears to be real because there is the perfect love of Christ that that is substance, that is that is brought to us in the body of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ that was shed upon the cross, his resurrection. And because of all of that, we have this understanding of this great love that God has for us. Fear is false, appearing real. Let the true love of Christ ground your hearts. Verse number nine. First Chronicles. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. You see, (laughs) there's a difference between the urgent and the important. (laughs) The urgent demands immediate attention. There is an immediacy that you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And you know what? Some people are just caught up in running from the urgent to the urgent to the urgent. But what is important? The important thing is the significance, the, the value. It's like, it's like to have a profound effect upon us that it is so important that this needs done above everything else. And if the important things are taken care of, often the urgent things are done away with. It's like having a fire and throwing gasoline on it. <laughs> it doesn't work. And so in the, and there's a difference between urgency and importance. Number 10, Mark 12. And you shall love the Lord your God. This is Jesus. <laughs> they have asked him, well, which is the greatest commandment? You know, people are always trying to <laughs> trick Jesus. And what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You see... Desiring the presence of God is placing ourselves in a position where we desire more of God. And here Jesus is telling us, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What was Jesus saying here? He was quoting the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. He was quoting the Old Testament. He was using the word to give the answers to the questions. What is he telling us? He is telling us, use the word to answer the questions. Use the word that is already given through the gospels, through the messages, through the, through the scriptures. Use the word to help bring balance and structure to your life. That's what this is, Jesus is telling them to do. And some of the best sources of hope and strength are the words of Jesus himself. I will never leave you nor forsake you. (laughs) He that is greatest in the kingdom of God, let him be the servant of all. (laughs) 
You see, what God wants to reveal to us, we have to be looking for. Do you perceive it? Do you look for it? Number 11, Romans 1. For I am not ashamed, this is Paul speaking, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. This week we had that um, young man that was, you know, at the football game and he was hit and whatever and his heart stopped and all the people were praying and even on um, the sports network, one of the commentaries says, you know, I think we should stop and I'm going to stop, I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to pray on national television. You see, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And in this, this week, there have been, you know, a number of people, you know, with their faith and so on. But there's also the, the side, you know, we've got we've to stop this prayer thing, <laughs> you know. But you know what? It doesn't matter. God is in charge. We need to be not ashamed of the gospel, <laughs> of what Jesus Christ has told us. Paul, he had been imprisoned in Philippi. He had chased out of Thessalonica. Thessalonica. He was smuggled out of Berea. He was laughed at in Athens. He was regarded as a fool in Corinth. And he was stoned in Galatia. (laughs) He was committed to Christ. Rely on the Spirit to lead you, to guide you. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. For God will bring opportunities across your path. This week, I I went to the, the bank and for a specific purpose. And the, the lady I was talking to, you know, across the desk and behind the shield, you know. <laughs> um, we were talking and so on. And after a while, we were talking about, I talked about our son and, and his wife, Jenny, and the can- her cancer and how that it was, you know, through the um, tr- clinical trials that were done here at Wimber and so on. They came up with this Herceptin drug. And I told her about that drug and how that it had been worked for, for Jenny, and she became very quiet, and she was going to the doctor's office that afternoon because of her cancer. And so in that moment, in that time, I said, well, is it all right if I pray with you? And I said, just place your hand here, and I reached in around the bar, you know, the glass, and I prayed with her. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, it's not for show, It's for who we are. And number 12, we have to remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, wrestle is a term used for hand-to-hand combat. The wrestler uses trickery, deception, and speed. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You see, we have to understand that it's not just a battle for our mind, it's a battle for our soul. And not only is it a battle for our soul, but it's a battle, the spiritual battles that are going on around us. And there's evil forces and there are good forces. And we have to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle 
Not only a physical one, but a spiritual one. And what does Paul tell us to do? He says that we may be able to withstand an evil day, do everything to be able to stand firm. (laughs) Do everything to stand firm. And what does that mean? It means that we understand the scriptures. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The armor of God that we are to wear the the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the the girdle our our loins with truth, (laughs) and have our feet shod with peace, meaning the spikes that we wear on the shoes, the soldiers. And so we have all of this as we face the battles of life, knowing that God is in charge, and it's not just people. There's a spiritual thing going on, and we need to realize and pray that God would guide us every day. So, no one is beyond temptation. But, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a vessel for God's presence. And so, in this vessel, God wants to do a work that will mold us into the image that Christ wants us to have. We're not going to be molded by the world and by its philosophies and teachings. We want to be molded by the word of God. So every day is a gift from the Lord. And his word is one of our greatest tools for approaching the day with strength and victory. So we need to take time. Read these scriptures, one, two, twelve of them, whatever it takes. Take some time to remember and read the scriptures and pray and Bring our petitions before the Lord, but always come with thanksgiving because in my thankfulness, I am, I am believing that God will bring good. Not that I can see it coming, but I know that it will come because I am thanking him for what he is doing in my life. So these are some scriptures to use in your time of prayer. Use them all, use one, but take some time And just focus and allow God to speak to your heart as you speak to him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the greatest advice we have. It is the advice of your word. And it's not just any advice. They are divine principles. They are divine truths that anchor our soul, anchor our life, and give us hope beyond this life. So, Lord, we thank you for being with us. Guide us, we pray. Let your spirit be upon us. Hover over us. Break the power of the enemy. Break the power of sin, of canceled sin, O God. Break its influence. And God, lead us and guide us into your kingdom. We pray pray that that would happen each day. We ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.